0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a whole new chapter, a whole new episode of the Caring Support Podcast. Um, I'm here with my partner, James Smith, who will introduce us to our amazing uh, guests for today. Go ahead, James.
1: Thank you, Laura. It's always great to see you. Um, this So... I, I want to introduce the lovely Pamela, and I, I'm not going to even attempt to try and say your last name, just in case. I know we had this conversation once before. Maybe no you worries. could tell us, how, how do you say your last name again, Pam? Uh,
2: Stoichopolis. It's very similar to Workopolis, so we're good. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to call
1: you Workopolis from now on. <laughs> um,
2: so, so Pamela, uh, it, it's
1: great to meet you. I know we talked a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, and I thought, wow, we really need to... Uh, We need to really show our community, our network, what's going on with Pam, with the recent changes you've made, but you bring a lot of really interesting concepts and innovation to healthcare and thought that it would be very prudent of us to to ensure that our community understood what it is that you do. So perhaps maybe I could ask you to sort of do a quick introduction of yourself and uh, a high level view as to what's going on. Okay,
2: sure. Uh, Hi everybody, my name is Pam Stakopoulos. Thank you guys so much for having me today. Um, I am the founder and CEO of Big Eye Innovation, uh, which is an innovation consulting firm that is focused really um, in the health and wellness space, um, government and Um, not-for-profit. So I have a a long and storied history in the healthcare space. for a number of years, I was the head of innovation engagement at a large home care organization. And uh, before that, I uh, I was in the PR and communications world as both a consultant and in the healthcare space. So um, I bring kind of a storied past to, to my present scenario. So um, I see things from a, a lot of different angles. Um and yeah, so I founded Big Eye because I really see the need in healthcare uh, for um, organizations to take a design thinking based approach to uh healthcare. And um design thinking is an interesting kind of concept. It sounds kind of out there, I think, for a lot of people, but it really is sort of a practical tool in helping you to to uh, to understand the background or the circumstances the context of a situation to figure out what problems are like the most pressing and and need to be solved um and then uh defining that problem and then uh, charting a course of action in a very kind of focused and disciplined way um so that you can um find find the low hanging fruit for the the near term and plan for the future in, in the long term which You know, the the longer term, you know, we always say there's a a great quote by um, Bill Gates that says people uh, over, I think it's, I'm paraphrasing now, but it's uh, people overestimate the amount of change that's going to happen in the next three years and underestimate what's going to happen in 10. And I think if you think about all, I mean, I, I think COVID maybe has changed that quote a little bit because we've seen some really rapid Changes and adjustments in healthcare in the last uh, couple of years, and I'd say um, COVID, in some ways, as terrible as it is, has really given healthcare a kick in the pants that it needed to get going and and accelerated um, a number of things.
1: Absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. And I know from uh, our personal point of view, uh, there is no question that initially what happened, of course, was we knew healthcare had some challenges, and then. You know that what uh, the pandemic has done it's just ripped we'll say the band-aid off that mm. did the the temporary fixes and exposed a lot of things for what it is and we know that and the question is, is what have we learned what what are we going to do to apply ourselves better uh and to incorporate a lot of like your your concepts are very interesting because it takes a whole different approach to seeing how you know processes procedures policies and healthcare is absolutely you know um laden with bureaucracy policies, uh, you know, what have you. And there's a what we come across against a lot, Pam, is uh, to be honest, is uh, a lot of people are fear of the change, uh, mm. you know, and they're running from fire to fire to fire. And then that concept is a cyclical thing that never ends uh, purely because you need to step back and say, "Can okay, now wait a minute. We need to really reevaluate what we're doing. It doesn't matter if it's the hiring practices, retention, uh the procedures internally or how they communicate externally um so yeah i mean uh i think what you're doing is is fantastic the question is is give us an idea like who would be the kind of places that that should be looking to you and what would they get working with you
2: so um i think that uh generally uh, I, I I'm very comfortable in uh, the healthcare space. And so I uh you know I will I will say that I'm actually also also a patient. So I, I have um an autoimmune condition that I, I that is really well managed. But uh so I I I see things from both sides of the coin. So you know as somebody who has worked in healthcare I understand the bureaucracy and the pain points. Um and then as a patient, I also understand the frustrations of, of being a patient and where you want to see action. So I think um what where I really see myself as, as the most comfortable is in that healthcare space. Um in organizations, you know, I think the word innovation is a really loaded term. And I think um a lot of uh you know home even home care is a great example you know people think of it as sort of a, a meat and potatoes kind of uh service that we provide um or that that home care provides to people but but really there are so many opportunities to streamline processes to you know improve experiences um to to build quality into whatever you're doing. You know, I was just talking to a former CEO this morning, and she she was really um getting me on to think more deeply about how how quality is really something that, you know, obviously healthcare organizations care about. Um, so I think I really uh see myself as helping healthcare specifically to to think more deeply about the processes. To think more deeply about um, the way they approach problems and how they define those problems, um, and then find um, solutions—not—not not just focusing on you know the the loudest and the the you know most most senior person in the room, but really developing um, a perspective that is a partnered perspective where you're getting a diverse. Group of people to bring their insights because what you always want to do, you know, healthcare is all about mitigating risk. And uh, what what is so great about using a design thinking based approach is that you're you're finding a path to test those riskiest assumptions uh, very quickly, so that you you know people make assumptions, and the the worst thing you can do is base an entire program on one person's assumption. So what I do is to help uh, healthcare organizations to uh, map out a plan, and then to decide um, on, a, on a course of action and how we're gonna test those assumptions to see if we're going in the right direction so that we don't get you know five miles down before we say, oh, you know what? Our patients really hate this. Or, oh no, there's a real risk over here. So um, I think um, that I bring uh, my, the, the process that I bring to the table is strategic. It's, you know, strategically connected, but it also really aligns with, um, the, the, the get it done kind of attitude that I think patients are really clamoring to see. And, you know, we talk about co-design a lot and having been a patient on a, uh, in a number of different, uh, I can say that the the co-design uh, patients are really anxious to feel like they've accomplished something and done something. And like that they're really adding value. And so this is a really active way to engage patients, to engage frontline staff and to engage that leadership where we always think of like they're, the leaders are at the table making the decisions. But this process, this approach really brings everybody together so that you get that full... 360 view of whatever it is you're uh you're trying to uh, achieve.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. I love it. That mm-hmm. uh, that's great. I think what I love most about what you said there even though all of it was fantastic is the fact that mm-hmm. when you're bringing in mm-hmm. all the we'll call it stakeholders for lack of a better term. You're bringing mm-hmm. in the patient, you're bringing in the, the the upper management, we'll say, you're bringing in the frontline staff, you're bringing in everybody who's involved. From start to finish, including the patient side, which is a great opportunity for one of my favorite things, in that, and that that involves mm-hmm. the use of empathy, uh, emotional intelligence, so that, that we can really say, you know, what this is not. Just don't think of this as a practice or about the money or about the, the the you know stuck stuck on procedural uh, concepts, but rather saying, think about the client, the, the we'll say the customer or patient experience first, and what does it take to execute that in a much more um, you know organized and better fashion that starts taking into account but I, I thought was cool too was your concept on starting off early to help people understand it that you know there are going to be predispositions of mm-hmm. of, of you know fear uh, you know are, mm-hmm. are we going to do is this the right way to approach this is this you know so that's excellent and you know and I I think for us when we when we built caring support, we thought, hey, let's take the hiring funnel and flip it on its head. And that's come up in, in a way of doing of doing this. And yeah, we you know, we work with people closely all the time to provide the customer service. That so many job boards are just not going to do this. Because we understand that as simple as our platform is to use and cost effective, the big challenge is is really about adoption. It's really about just having people say, Hey, you know what? If you try this out, you'll see that it will make a big difference. It so will save you a ton of time and a lot of money. And, uh, you know, and I think it's uh, we're always going to have these battles in life um, when it comes to to how people perceive things. But, you know, your approach of working at this more proactively Mm -hmm. and taking Mm -hmm. people down a road at first that says, hey, let's find out whether or not this is the path that we should be taking rather than let's take down. Let's go down this path and hope for the best. Right.
2: Absolutely. And I I think, you know, I, I do I, you know, I, I was going to talk a little bit about the trends that I see on the on the horizon, and so yes. one of those trends is just that you know it's a trend. It's not it's not an innovative trend, but um, the response to it is you know we we definitely are seeing a real staffing crisis right in in healthcare across the board, particularly yeah. in long term care and and home care, and so I think what we are seeing is the emergence of a number of tech companies like caring support who are really trying to um, up the game. I think for a long time, you know, long-term care and home care have really not changed their model, particularly their hiring practices over the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Um, and I think, you know, it's great to see some tech that is re- responding to kind of, it, it is a, it is churn. Like there, it is a hard business to be in. It is a hard business to staff. And so I think um, the easier you can make it, the most you know, the more frictionless you can make that experience for workers coming in. Um, I think uh, will it's it creates a kind of a, a a more welcoming environment for them, and then it, I think it also you know takes some of the heat off of HR, where I think I think they're they're drowning right now, and I think it's a I wouldn't, you know, I I don't I don't envy them. I think it is a really really tough gig to be in right now, and I think, um, um, you know, responsive, uh, softwares like Caring Support are really a great uh, a great way of, of trying to kind of flip things on their head, and you know, simplify the process. And I think that's the whole thing. I think people think of innovation as, you know, newfangled spaceships and you know uh drones dropping off packages but i and and i there listen there is a place for robots in home care don't get me wrong (laughs) it's definitely on my list but i think Yeah. yeah but i also think that there is you know there's um there are ways to streamline and simplify that are innovative right and so i think that um Innovation isn't just about taking like way out there kind of ideas. It's about applying technology in different ways um, and making things easier for people. You know, Uber didn't really invent the technology. They just found a way to make that that tech valuable and right.
0: meaningful to people and, you know, create a frictionless experience for people. That's a great example. It really is. Um, and continuing with the trends, mm-hmm. I know you're writing an article about this.
2: I am. Uh,
0: it's a uh, very. it's turning into a very long article. I might have to break it up <laughs> <laughs> well, but but you know what? on the top of your head, what are the five trends that you're seeing in healthcare?
2: Right. so one i one I think is the staffing the staffing shortage, which is just it's a it's coming crisis level. So I think it is a real opportunity. For tech companies to get in there to optimize, you know, we see tech companies streamlining uh recruitment and also optimizing the staff that they do have. So you, you see other companies doing that as as well. Um, um, and they're starting to get some traction as well. Um, you know, the idea of uh in-home health hubs is definitely another trend. Uh, I think that's going to continue. And so um we keep talking about home care because we know home. We know home care is where home is where people want to be. We're starting to see a decline in uh, the price of of tech. We're starting to see um, some really interesting things. You know, I I've been talking with um, the director of uh, Best Buy Health. So they they have a program now, a monitoring program. We're starting to see those those prices come down. We're starting to see real retailers. Walmart is getting into the space. Um, we know you know Google has been in there, and Amazon as well into that healthcare space. But I really do see um, that sort of. Um, I know there's a there's another uh, futurist out there who who calls it the home hospital, right? So uh, working. So really operating at home. But I think one of the reasons that that's probably going to happen is now because of virtual care. So virtual care in the last two years is just really amped right up. Yeah. And as much as governments say they like home care, they're still not funding it. But how they're going to fund it probably is through hospitals doing virtual care at home. So I think there will be some sort of combo there. And I think, you know, as uh, we we see the younger boomers and, dare I say it, the Xers <laughs> moving into the space. Um, they're a little more comfortable with technology and a little less suspicious of it. So I, I really do see that as a, a continuing trend. I also think that virtual is probably, probably going to be the predominant model uh, moving forward. I don't know that we're going to go back to pre, um, pre-pandemic, you know, going to see your doctor in the office every time. I think you will have, you know, maybe a annual appointment instead of, you know, a quarterly one, but I think we're gonna see a lot more of that. Um, The other one I I think uh, we keep talking about it and I think it's gonna get to a deeper level is the idea of patient as partner. And I I think um, that I start to see that. And as I said, it's not, I don't think it's quite there yet. I think right now it's patient patient as advisor or patient as you know we're going to we're going to run something by you but I really do think uh, patients and caregivers are going to demand to be part of any solution that is developed by um healthcare and and I think if you do, if you if you don't partner with them I think you do so at your own peril um but I think it's also because you know um I I just think about myself going to the doctor. I'm armed with information. You know, I have, I have, I have done my research. I've done my homework. I have an opinion about things when I, when I go in. Um, And of course your doctor is a trusted advisor and should always be a trusted advisor. Um, But I think, you know, we're so, we're, we have so much more information that, you know, my condition is rare, but, um, what you see in the social spaces is so interesting because, um, there are lots of orphan, thousands of orphan, um, um, orphan diseases out there that don't have a lot of funding that don't have a lot of knowledge base that's been, um, committed to them. Right. But what you do see is patients getting together and, and collecting that knowledge. And what's happened now is there's a really interesting, um healthcare uh crowdsourcing um app, it's not an app it's a it's a platform it's a crowdsourcing platform called stuff that works and what they're doing is they're starting to collate all of this information right of all these different diseases and asking patients to contribute to them mm. so i see that sort of crowdsourcing coming together and they just got they just got nine million dollars in funding. So uh, I think back in 2020. So I, I really do see that as the future, and I think one of the founders is uh, part of Ways. So they have a lot of the tech background. So I think that that's a really interesting place to see where that um, where that data comes in. And so that was my my other trend was the the data. And so crowdsourcing is one of those things. I think we're going to see some um, interesting things. There's a lot of talk right now, and I got very very excited. I wrote a long blog post about this about uh, NFTs. So non-fungible tokens, which sounds again, if you if you go to my blog, you can you can I have a very easy explainer video about a, what, what NFTs are and how they could possibly transform health health records. So right now, you know, our patient data is not owned by the patient. And I don't know if you've ever tried to experience, you know, had an experience where you've had to try to get health records, but I have driven across Toronto to get an MRI result to deliver to another doctor on the other side of town that may or not may not be compatible. So it's so NFTs will will possibly, if if they can figure it out, be like kind of the central place where you know your your data resides, but not only that where patients could have the potential to own their data and make decisions about their data and how it's collected. So right now, you know, we are using Facebook for free, but really, you know, data is a commodity, and people are selling our data all over the place. So I I think uh, it'll be really interesting to see where where that goes in the next uh, ten years, and whether um, NFTs do actually get used in health, in healthcare so that we actually take ownership of our own data, which I really, really am excited about. Um, also I think AI as, as part of that whole data trend is going to continue to be something, um, worth looking at. Um, there's a great podcast by Accenture, um, that, uh, talks about, about co- a collection of data and how, um, how, you know, healthcare adds some special, you know, privacy issues that they need to be concerned with. And so there's some um, interesting ways that they collect data uh, to train AI, you know, to train AI. Um, So it's, one is called Federated Learning. And so there's a great podcast, again, in my blog post that I will be posting soon um, about that. So, um, and then I think, you know, the other one is just really, uh, you know, it's, seems like a, maybe a buzzword, but the, the idea of organizational agility, I think, I think healthcare has not been very agile in the past. Um, but I think, uh, they are, they are, they had to be in the last two years. You know, it's pretty interesting once you light a fire through <laughs> somebody how quickly, you know, telemedicine, telehealth can get done. Um, but I think, um, part of that you know it feeds into that patient partnership piece i think when you see patients demanding things um and uh, having some expectations i think you know organizations are going to have to be more agile they're going to have to move faster health healthcare is going to have to up its game in um in how it responds and i mean Canada's a little bit special. I think if you look particularly if you look at Canada versus the u s, right. it is very um, you know, because of socialized medicine, I think it, there's a very different mindset in the u s where you see uh, you see some real agility there because they're they're trying to get we're we're kind of holding the doors back on patients, whereas they're trying to get more into their hospital um, or their clinic. But I do see uh, I do see that as you know, a really um, necessary quality in healthcare organizations, which is I think why i I'm really so excited about launching this business because i I think that I certainly can help in kind of creating that innovator's mindset, that that agile mindset, that you know ready for anything, um, planning. Planning for the best, expecting the worst, figuring out how how to be responsive and flexible in an approach. Um, yeah, so I I think those are the the top five. I think I covered all five of them.
1: That's great. Yeah, thank you. By the way, I, there's a there was a lot in there, Pam. I know.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah, that's okay.
1: No, in a good way. I mean not in a good way. I mean it, and this is the thing, like, you have a great overall understanding. You're keeping up on, on you know, uh, innovation and innovative ideas that are existing. And some of them might be still at their, let's say, uh, early stages. Um, I know I talked to a gentleman the other day involved with Canada Info, uh, the Infoway, I think it's called, for digital health yep. and digital health records. InfoWay, et yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're they're leveraging AI. There um, you know a lot a lot of that uh, is going to make a massive impact, absolutely. I think a lot of times when we have so much technology at our disposal, it's really a case of it's two things that happen. is how are we using it, and then what you know what's our level of, let's say, imagination and how we should use it? That's often yep. what keeps it from really accomplishing more than it can. Uh, the NFT thing—I thought that was very fascinating. I, I've been reading on NFTs a lot recently, understanding how people have, you know, ownership on the blockchain, and that yeah. you know, and therefore they have the ability to actually—it's kind of like you know, if I bought something in the, we'll say, the real world, the tangible world whether it is like the standard NFT, like a a piece of art, but I bought, let's say, a Picasso, like if any of us could afford a Picasso, Mm -hmm. but let's suppose some uh, artists that, you know, was realistically priced, you know, at the end of the day, do you have anything that really conclusively proves that you have the original, the one and only, uh, you know, uh, original of that artwork? And so this is the beauty. Now, now they're talking about, Saying, look, if we take this same model, we could use this to buy vehicles. We could use this to to acquire housing, to a um, you know a variety of things. So you know, to use it in the healthcare space, I think that's phenomenal, no question.
2: I think it's interesting because these things seem kind of out there at the start when you first hear about them, and you're like, well, how does that work? But I mean, if you really stop and think about the idea of money, right? If you yep. if you really think conceptually, like this is a concept we've all agreed is this is how we're going to you know create transactions it you know it seems like a kind of out, out there concept right it's yeah. it's all on on certain presumptions based on certain presumptions so i think um i think that they you know half of innovation is creative application of something that could be a standard technology
1: yeah yeah right well, so, think, think about the fact that as much as social media has tremendous merit, it's often been a, you know, a place for people to get, uh, you know, a voice that, that, that never had one before. And in some cases, I hate to say this, some of them shouldn't have been given it in the first place, <laughs> yep. not, you know, and so, but you see stuff and it, sometimes it's hate or it's whatever. And you're, and now we have so much information, everything in our phone and whatever, that it's gotten to the point that we've really more disconnected. Mm -hmm. So when you look at, for instance, what we were doing, you were like, you know, one of the things I absolutely love and known for in my community is networking. And and I'm going, well, you know, what's really great about what we're doing is we bring people together, not just to say, hey, here's your matchup for for getting jobs and making that faster, but all the tools in it remind me of being able to network with people, whether that's virtually or in, in person. And therefore, you know, with that mind, it's just a different experience because, you know, so many people miss being able to be around each other with this pandemic. It pushed us outside their comfort zone and it was tough in the beginning. It was very tough. And then people found out real fast that, wait a minute, this is probably this is a good thing. It gave people a lot of time to reflect and realize, wow, why am I going to the office every single day living in downtown Toronto or someplace where I'm paying an insane amount of money? And I could be living where I really want to live, by the water. Hey, they got broadband internet. I can work from home. I don't need to be in the office. My job is totally virtual, uh, you know, in the sense of remote, I should say. So, yeah, I mean, uh, but anyway, I I think it's great what you're doing, Pam. And, um, you know, and I I should get back to Laura here. So mic drop here
2: for a minute.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, James. Really, now, those were all the questions we have. Uh, we had for you Pam so we just really want to thank you for your time and your uh, innovative ideas I think um, it's very refreshing to hear somebody that is really interested in in health but from a completely new perspective and has so many plans and um, can bring so much to the table so you know I, I re- really thank you um, care and support is a community and now you're part of it
2: yeah, I really appreciate the time and really great to be part of this podcast. I think you guys are doing some great work. And yeah, I, I, I think that I'm really excited for you and your future as well. So thanks so much.